to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. thought to myself, man, in the midst of a, a lot of battle and protracted warfare and just exhausted and wishing that this was all done, out of his mouth just came, oh, to drink from the water of the well in Bethlehem by the gate. David wasn't expecting, I don't know why, because he had seen the way these men lived their lives. But these three men looked at each other when they heard that. And whenever David left their presence, they decided to get up and go because David didn't know they were going or he would have stopped them. We know that by the way he responded to what they did. He got the wa- they got the water, they brought it back. When you're in a protracted warfare, I'm going to help somebody here. When you're in a protracted time of trying to find your breakthrough, when you feel like you're in a time of great struggle, those who are for you and with you may hear something come out your mouth and even want to respond to it. They did. But he placed greater value on the lives of the men who did the extraordinary feat of bravery and for their love for him, their king. He put more value on them and their lives than he did on his longing to taste the water that would refresh the memory. I mean, you know and I know one drink of water will not last the whole day. There's something more here. David saw the moment. Worship and praise to God, the God of Israel, had always been first place in David's life. So he pours out this water on the ground. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. David understood he wasn't wasting it, nor was he diminishing their efforts. He knew that the Lord owned the earth. And so he took that moment and saw the earth. This will be my altar, the earth. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And he pours it out and the water's being absorbed by the ground. It's dry and parched. And Jehovah was lifted above the needs and wants and desires of David. This is something I need you to think about. Maybe you should write this down. When your worship, when your worship is happening, David right here lifted Jehovah above his own needs and his own desires and his own wants. David did not take advantage of their threats of life being lost. He saw that as such an opportunity to worship the Lord. Remember, David would not offer sacrifices that were not his, that he had not purchased. So in this moment, he lifted Jehovah above his own needs. Should I... Um, here's the paradigm. I have needs, you have needs, you have wants, you have desires. There are things you need. You need shelter, you need food, you need clothing, you need affection, you need love. Those, those are legitimate needs that God has given us. 
and they're from the Lord. It's wired into our, our, our personhood. We are a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. So David wasn't denying that those are important. He elevated them by lifting Jesus, well, I should say Jehovah in this moment, above his own needs in order that these men could see that his desire being met was not more important than their lives that had been under threat. So, personally, David lifts this to Jehovah. And in doing it, he lifted the needs and the wants and desires of the men that were with him. He lifted those needs above, as a servant leader does, and says, Jehovah, you know my own heart's desire. You know I I desire to drink that, but you are more. And in doing that, he reminded those men that their needs and wants and desires were equal with his by bringing it before the Lord. Jesus now connects this first covenant with the second covenant on the night that he's betrayed. He takes the cup that's in front of him as they're celebrating the Passover. And he reveals that this is his life's blood that will be poured out for us. Jesus is going to also pour a cup. He hands it to these men, as you know. He gives it to them and he says, drink it, partake, receive. He was telling them, receive this. This is my life. This is my salvation for you. It's the ultimate drink offering to which you and I have now been included. Jesus uh, wanted not only them, but every believer following them. Uh, It would be literally the apostle Paul echoing these thoughts of Christ in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23 through 27, when he talks about the cup and the grain offering that's in communion. This is the body of Christ, the grain. This is the blood of Christ, the cup. You can see how there's a connection now from our old covenant, our first covenant, to the new covenant where Jesus is the drink offering who will be poured out. David was a prophet when he did that in that moment that day. Lifting, think about Jesus is surrounded by these people who hate him. They don't have any miracle power. He has all power and he's functioning in that and they're jealous of him. He has enemies who want him out. He's got people who love him. He has all, he is in a protracted warfare for the souls of men and women. And Jesus at the table is showing there's another drink offering about to be poured out. It's the last time we'll need one like this. So this is a powerful uh, echoing of that in communion. And he reveals this additional new covenant application to the drink offering, as well as in, in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 17. It exemplifies our lives being poured out as a response to others' sacrifice and service to God and his kingdom. Because Paul literally says uh, he's, his, his life is being poured out. He In his engaging in service to the Lord, he pours out of his life like a cup. Now, Jesus is the cup of blood, but Paul is the cup of water. He he is a refreshing cup of of, of the word of God. So he's he's literally giving, and it's, it's, it's not a loss, but a watering of the seed planted into the hearts of the people. In 2 Timothy, though, chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, uh, announcing that his life is now even being poured out to its last drop. He's telling Timothy, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. 
I'm coming to the end. And I can see that the last of the water in my cup is about to be poured out. Now, Paul was a man who learned how to abound and abase. He learned how to, whatever state he was in, he learned to be content. That's a picture of a drink offering in our life. If you pour out of your life in this earth, the Lord continues to fill the cup. There comes a moment, though, when you've poured your last cup in serving the Lord, and that's when the Lord takes your hand and escorts you into his presence. It's a good picture, though. And Paul is identifying that in this moment. That his time for departure was at hand, and what was in store for him as he passes through the veil of eternity from this life into the next, uh, he placed great value on the service uh, to the Lord and others' service to him. There were those who empowered him to do what he did, and he would pour, wash their hands, wash their feet. He would serve them. Paul, at the beginning, said, I'm the chief of apostles. At the end of his life, he says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. You see that in his life and his journey, he's transitioned his eyes from, I'm the man of God with great power and I have authority, to the man who is still washing feet and doing his best to make sure that everything Jesus had given him to do was done in its completest form before he poured out the rest of his cup. I'm thinking you and I could learn from this guy. I'm thinking that there's a a picture here that he wants us to see because in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks to us about this relationship, this service. He says this, he says he puts great value on the service to the Lord over service to himself. And Paul reveals that the bride, the church, and the bridegroom Christ look like Uh, this relationship in Ephesians 5, the bridegroom and the bride. And there is this relationship of how the the bridegroom lays down his life. Listen, um, if anyone ever tried to hurt Deanne, it would be the last day they took a breath. Am I right? right? Or something like that. Then you could raise him from the dead and give him a chance to repent. Because you're just that way. The groom is not going to let someone hurt his bride. I want you to see something here that's really, really powerful. Is that you, you and I need to, we need to see that in the world that we're living in right now, this drink offering, this, these men of valor, God, God, God was intending to do something really significant in your life and through your life. So here's my, here's my life applications. I think I'll just get to them right now. Are you ready? It's this. See it? Live as sons and fathers. Daughters and mothers of valor in this life. The other day, I think, you know, honey, I just felt like I just needed to say it this morning for some reason. So I'm going to tell something. She's like, oh my God. (laughs) Uh The other day I was just seeking the Lord and, and had been, you know, in his presence. And then, um, I stepped away and I was just walking and then I, the Lord just caught me. He, He just caught me when I wasn't on purpose, like leaning into him. And listening, I was just starting to move on in the day. And he said, be before me as a son. And be before your people 
the ones that he had entrusted to us to care for, be before them as a father. Now that sounds like, yeah, that makes sense. Except, you know, when the Lord says something, when God says something, there's a whole lot more unpacking. That was a subject line on the email. Are you hearing me? Then I had to go into like, <laughs> what? And I realized that he was adjusting my outlook. He wanted me to continually come before him as a son. He is my father. Come before him as a son. Spirit of sonship. But stand before people as a father, which is a reflection of him. It's not, it's not based or rooted in me. It's, it's, it's him. When I come before the throne, I am there because Jesus is the son. My sonship is granted or bestowed because of him, the son. And when I stand before others, when you stand before other people, you need to stand as a reflection of the father. That's why I want to say to you, this life application for us is as as sons and fathers and daughters and mothers of valor in this life with servant leadership. In every aspect of our lives, we give ourselves to the great commission and to the assignment in our life. And we live out each day stewarding the call on our lives and our families. There is a, there is a, There is a desire to be a better dad, a better father, a better son, a better husband. It's in the heart of anyone who says, I want to steward well the assignment God gives us. And we make mistakes and we, we um, miss it and we have to adjust. Help your neighbor for just a second. Look at him. Just look at somebody and go, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Tell him it, it's going to work out in your life. It, he, he's, he's working good things. Tell him he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That's the song I want you to play, Joe. I want you to look at this next one. We model sacred gratitude as a first nature wired response towards others. What happens if, if I know God is good, if I know that nothing's impossible, if the blood of Jesus paid for everything, which it did, and everyone is significant, then I look at how I embrace and engage people in life with a sacred gratitude. And even, even again this morning, I'm reminded that that's an exercise I need to hit this gym uh, and work on. You don't hear me talk about that very often, do you? <laughs> sumo wrestlers look different than bodybuilders I just want you to know that is my story and at the moment I'm sticking to it see the manner in which we treat people in life reflects how we see God if God is an ogre you treat people with that whenever you are struggling with where you have not attained and you get frustrated with yourself, 
you would take out that frustration on others. Observing the significance of each other in light of God's love for us and for them is what we're called to do. This is the culture of honor that you and I can create, must create, if the world is going to want anything to do with what you say. That's why the people who were screaming and yelling at abortion clinics, you're a murderer, you're a killer, that is not God. There is no Jesus in that. Just trying to sign over here. You, you, Love being good cannot do evil. That's the word of God. So what we understand is that if we're going to help, then prepare yourself to adopt. Prepare yourself to, prepare yourself to care for. Prepare yourself to be a, a foster parent or maybe a, a respite foster parent. Or find a way to partner with a young mother and young father who, who need just mentoring along the way. A sign that says God hates you, you're a killer, is never going to bring life to a person. If anyone should do justice well, it should be the the sons and daughters of God. Just any social workers or counselors in the house. I mean, if anyone should know how to do justice well, it should be the sons and daughters of God. Because we look at people through the eyes and the lenses of who God sees them as. Uh, My last one here is this, practice unrestrained worship. So this is David's worship. And and just, I mean, when they present it, can you imagine the look on those guys' face? Are there any men in here? You have just broke through the troop. In that Psalm 22, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. That's where that song comes from. David wrote that. When he was surrounded by his enemies, he understood that the Lord would be with him. I mean, this is the David who has written these songs to the Lord about overcoming and fighting and just winning and and protecting. David protected Saul's kingdom when Saul was trying to kill him. Can, Can going to have a second or two here. Are you hearing me? Nabal and Abigail got a hacienda and is pretty. And Nabal's land is being protected by David. And David's men just come and ask, could you help us with some food? The men have been working hard. I just need to feed these men who are protecting this area. And Nabal attacks him with accusation. Saul, you're an enemy of Saul. Saul's trying to find you. What do you mean? I mean, Nabal's property, his hacienda, has been perfectly protected in peace. And when when this word gets back to David, he makes a blood oath. Listen, David is the dude who makes mistakes. He also makes unrelenting worship and he has sacred gratitude. So he's like, I'm gonna kill the man myself. But there was a woman of valor. Can I have a witness? There was a woman named Abigail. When word got back to her of what her husband had said, she knew he was dead meat and probably her and her children. So she loaded up those animals with food and and preparation and made her servants go fast. And she went out to meet the band of men, David and his men, 
who were mighty men of valor who were coming to wipe out Nabal. We're going to take what we want to eat. You done. Your sons, you're going to be dead. But Abigail gets out there and she sees him afar off. And so she gets off her animal and she lays down on the ground. David is just struck by this woman, a noble woman of this house. He gets off his animal and he comes up to her and he says, what, what are you doing? She begins to beg for forgiveness for her husband's donkification of behaviors. Donkification. It's in the ancient Hebrew. Translated by a wormuth. <laughs> he was donkified is what he was, but Abigail saved his donkey. <laughs> David repented of the blood oath. And then this is important. He received the gifts that she was giving. And then he promised her, you're going to be okay. You'll be safe. We're not going to hurt you. And I'll tell my men, there will be no harm come to you. He saw the nobility in this woman of valor. You see, sometimes valor fights and breaks through the troop of the Philistines and gets a, 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 a container of water. Sometimes it goes out and stops what would be destruction. She had no swords. All she had was honor. And it was mightier than the sword. So this David has, I mean, there's been some things happening in his life. And now in this moment, these men have come. Can you imagine what they look like when they arrive? These men show up and they're looking at each other like, watch him, watch him, watch, watch when, he, when he finds out. And they say, King David, your majesty, this water has come from the well of Bethlehem. <laughs> Are you hearing me? And it didn't come from the north side where it was easy. We went down to the well by the gate where you used to drink from when you was a child. And we wanted to bring this to you and just say, we love you. Smote in his heart. You know, you and I need to take more time to recognize the moment we're in. Some things are just not for us to consume. Some things are for us to present. And David dignified these men. And he, oh Lord, how can I drink this? This is, this water is attached to the threat of their blood being spilled and their lives being destroyed. These mighty men. He pours it out before the Lord. Unrelenting worship. Some people will worship the Lord. You know, they, they go to church and give the Lord their high five. Hail Jesus. <laughs> it's, just, it's a minute. They're laughing louder on this side. I must stay over here. Y'all need to get with it, okay? So I just want you to... This, this is an important moment. You, you and I need to do more than just high five Jesus on a Sunday morning. There is an unrelenting worship that you did this morning. We went back into that song. We just continued to lay it all down. Didn't know you were going to hear a message about someone pour it all out. And I just ask you today to understand this. He's looking for sons and fathers, daughters and mothers, 
who will stand as a representation of the Lord and steward the face of our God before men. And he's looking for us to model sacred gratitude and the things that we encounter every day to be grateful, to say thank you. When the person comes and serves you at the table and they bring you your food and you look up and you go, thank you. Where's my salad? Where's my this? Where's my that? Listen, on on her worst day, you don't know what she's been through. You don't know what's going on with her kids at home. You don't know what he's been through. You don't know what, what he's facing when he gets off work. You don't realize this is his second shift. He's taking a double because somebody else called in and wouldn't work. And so he's trying to cover and he's tired. And you, you offer sacred gratitude to him by simply saying, you're doing a good job. I have given bigger tips at times to those who epically failed when it comes to getting my food to me because I decided in that moment, I will be the turnaround in their life. I also found that when you acknowledge and offer thanks and gratitude to people who serve you, when they see you at the front door, they will tell the person who seats people, they're in my section. Try this out over here. Do you hear me? When I go to the red onion to eat, there is one person who waits on me and whoever's with me. Are you hearing me? Why? Because you're going to, I'm going to leave, I'm, I'm going to leave a blessing at the table. I'm going to, I'm going to pour into the life. I'm going to look at them and ask, how is your family? I want to know why, because there is a sacred gratitude that establishes the kingdom protocols in the earth, a culture of honor and There is for us an unrelenting worship. In closing, how much of that did I read? Unrestrained worship is the expression and the action of thanksgiving to God, our Savior and King. This is the alignment of spirit, soul, heart, and mind, and body. It keeps our hearts open to Him and to others. Listen, when our boys were growing up and they could tell you because they're here today and Pastor Cindy would make it very clear you're going to have an open heart towards people. You're not going to get close hearted. Do they want to say amen? They can because I, we, they know that she always wanted them as little boys to stay open hearted. When a person walked in the room and they said hi, she would say, say hi. If they, if they, if they had just gotten a spanking and yes, they got spankings. two of them think they got more than one of them but you will not know those numbers okay so but even if they had just gotten a spanking and now we're supposed to engage and someone walked in and said hi she said no you're gonna say hi you're you're gonna stay open-hearted why she was not she understood we understood we're not gonna let a heart of stone be formed on our watch. You're going to have to bury it real deep if you do. And the Holy Ghost will tell us if that's what you're doing and we're going to find it. And dig it up. Unrestrained worship is the embodiment of the spirit of sonship. When you walk in sonship, you just want to pour out your love on the Lord. It perfumes the atmosphere with the glory of God and it engages the Holy Spirit where the world, or excuse me, in the world where the word is confirmed. 
Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free. Are you a Christian who likes to read? If not, there's a whole world of Christian publishing out there that you're missing out on. I invite you to check out the Author's Corner podcast where I talk to the latest Christian authors each week about their new book releases and what's coming next. So if you're ready to jumpstart your spiritual growth with the newest books and the authors who write them, check out the Author's Corner podcast with me, Roberta Foster. 